All right, if I could have you uh, return to your seats. You're fine. You're fine. Totally fine. Um, I would say grab a Bible, have your Bible. That's great. But the, the weird reality with preaching through Proverbs is that it's really hard to go verse by verse in the book of Proverbs. So we're, we're actually approaching the book of Proverbs from a topical perspective. So if you have a Bible, you're going to be flipping pages all over the place. So the best thing for you to have is the bulletin that has the scriptures that we'll be looking at. But before we begin, I want to just, just give a word about what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to begin really a, a three-week look at wealth from the book of Proverbs. Of course, Proverbs has much to say about wealth in, in the book. By my account, there are over 100 verses on the subject in this one book. We're going to be looking at the longing for wealth this week. Next week, we're going to be looking at the stewarding of wealth. And then the following week, we'll be looking at the accumulation of wealth. Three things that Proverbs discusses. But before we jump in looking at what wealth is in the eyes of Proverbs, I want to just speak two important, uh, speak into two important realities that comes when we're speaking about wealth. First, preaching on wealth is probably one of the most least popular subjects that we could have. And one of the reasons why it's very unpopular is that pastors have often preached wealth from a place of desperation or depletion. And because what, what, what ends up happening for this is that people end up hearing a message that is dripping with fear and anger and frustration, which only leads to, to a, a, a sermon that try to motivates out of fear or out of the law. And this just brings about shame. Yes, it can help a church out from time to time, but over, over time, the more a preacher speaks to wealth out of fear and anger and depletion, uh, the more people tune it out. I want you to know this. This sermon is not out of a depletion, fear, or desperation. No, in 2021, Central Hope finished the year significantly in the black, meaning at the start of this sermon, we are very healthy financially. We're not desperate as a church. So my motivation in preparing this sermon, there is not an ounce of, oh, this church is not giving well. No, rather just the opposite. Many of you have given well, and I am thankful that I get to preach a sermon on wealth, not out of fear, but out of appreciation. So this is not a sermon that is, that is going to motivate out of anger and frustration. No, it's a, it's a sermon that's going to look at what the Bible talks about. It's important to talk about what the Bible talks about. Which leads me to the second thing, that pe preaching on wealth is not popular because people functionally look to wealth for salvation. Preaching on wealth exposes our faith and often leaves us in this vulnerable place. Yes, sermons on wealth call into question the very thing we often look to for relief, comfort, security, success, and so much more. So sermons on wealth expose this, and it touches a nerve, and we hate our nerves being touched. But we must remember the words of Jesus from Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So preaching on wealth frustrates us. It exposes what we look to for salvation. And what we should do is consider a sermon on wealth a blessing rather than a frustration. So it's a message this morning, and it's a message series that I hope exposes you to your need of God and his grace. 
and moves you to a greater faith and dependence on him than you had before. We have to talk about wealth. It's so vitally important to us. You know, more than anything this morning, and for that matter, the next two weeks, I want you to grow in your faith of God rather than money. That you grow to trust him who provides for you and cares for you and saves you. You know, really saves you. That's the message that I want to communicate these next three weeks. So with that being said, I want to turn your attention to the book of Proverbs. And in particular, the several Proverbs that you have printed in your bulletin. And what I want more than anything, and what I want you to see more than anything this morning, is that Solomon... And the word of God calls us to seek wisdom rather than wealth. So here are the Proverbs that we'll be looking at. First, Proverbs 3, 13 through 16. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Proverbs 8, 10, and 11, and verse 19. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. It's Proverbs 18, 11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. Proverbs 1, 19. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Proverbs 28, 25. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Proverbs eleven four, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs twenty two four, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And lastly, Proverbs nine ten, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. One of my favorite pastimes on long road trips is to daydream about winning the lottery. This comes about because as you're driving and you're just trying to kill time, you often see the, the, the jackpot number. And in Arkansas, that jackpot number gets high. I don't, like I-40, you see some like 900 million. And so on these road trips, especially on I-40, if you've been down that road before, that boring road, you end up daydreaming about, if I won that lottery, what would I do? course I do this as well I send I daydream about the cars I'd buy and if you'd like to know I would buy a nice navy blue Range Rover with sweet wheels I spend time daydreaming about the golf courses I'd like to play I daydream about the home or better yet homes I'd like to buy of course one in Little Rock overlooking the Arkansas River a home in Florida overlooking the beach a home in the mountains overlooking a vast vista and on and on and on it goes this is what my daydreams go this is how I pass the time and it reminds me how easy it is to get sucked into wealth. Perhaps you're doing it right now yourself. The, more th- the thought of large sums of money sends these endorphins through your body. The finding relief from what a nice house or a nice uh, 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 um, vacation would bring. The opportunities, the peace. Yes, wealth is seductive. 
It's like the sirens from Homer's Odyssey calling out to us. It's a, it's a call that is in, very difficult to resist. But I think it's more dangerous than the sirens from Homer's Odyssey because wealth can live up to its promises in some ways. Those with wealth are on the cover of magazines and are featured prominently on social media. Those with wealth live in safe and comfortable places. Those with wealth rub shoulders with other wealthy people who provide them opportunities for more wealth. Yes, wealth is seductive to us and relatively faithful to its promises. It's easy to pursue wealth above all else, to look at wealth as our God, to look at wealth for our salvation for our security, our comfort, our friends, and so much more. I think it's safe to say that all of us have in one way or another fallen under its spell, and many of us have no desire to leave its side. But the question for us this morning is this. Is it safe? Is it safe to hear the seductive siren of wealth call? I don't know about you, but I want to live. And if we want to live, we have to wrestle with the one thing that our, our, our hearts and our minds are often seducted by. And wealth is one of those things. So this morning, I want to call into question that very thing. You, 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 hey, look, you have the option to choose wealth as the thing that you pursue to find life. But maybe this morning, you just question that a little. My hope in looking at Solomon's Proverbs and, and, and the ones that I chose in particular is that you'd begin to see and hear a different perspective. You can see clearly that Solomon says, no, if you want to live, do not seek wealth above all else. No, seek wisdom, not wealth. He says it very clearly in chapter 3, 13 and 16. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Again, he does it in chapter 8, when he speaks and personifies wisdom as a lady and speaks for her. He says, take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than the choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Pursue wisdom, not wealth. If you want to know the one thing, the primary thing that Solomon wants his sons and subsequently us to understand and to embrace more than anything in our life in regards to wealth, it is that. Seek wisdom, not wealth. This is his proposal to us this morning. This is what we have to consider. And indeed, he would say, if we want to live, we must seek wisdom rather than wealth. My hope this morning and my prayer is that all of us would heed his words and begin pursuing wisdom over the seductive call of wealth. Now, to, to accomplish this and to help us look at this, we're going to look at why Solomon says to pursue wisdom over wealth. And then we're going to explain how we pursue wisdom over wealth. So simply two questions as we consider why we should choose wisdom over wealth. Now one of my favorite characters 
in Hollywood right now is Jim Carrey. I loved him in movies like Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber. But it's not his roles in those incredible Oscar-worthy movies <laughs> that I like him. No, it's his depth and it's under, his understanding of the Hollywood culture that he interacts with on a day-to-day basis. A few years ago, he famously said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Carrie is uniquely gifted and uniquely acquainted with fame and fortune to be able to speak into such a world like that. And Solomon is the same way. Like Carrie, Solomon is acquainted with wealth. The Old Testament describes him as one of the wealthiest persons who ever lived. Of course, someone who has great wealth can speak to great wealth. His words, indeed, carry weight and significance. And in his book that he writes to his sons and he writes to us, he provides us a few reasons why we should pursue wisdom over wealth. And the first reason why we should pursue wisdom over wealth is that wealth is fleeting. It's fleeting. Let's read Proverbs 23, 4, and 5. He says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Can't you hear him calling out to us? This wealth is calling out to us like a siren, but resist it. Like Homer, plug your ears up with cotton so that you cannot hear its call. Discern it. Why? When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven. Wealth can dissipate in a mere matters of moments. Whether it's spending money on lavish vacations or investing in stocks that go belly up or leasing fancy cars, wealth can go away. Wealth in its nature is finite. It is not infinite. This is hard to consider when wealth initially enables the world to be at your beck and call. But we have to understand wealth is finite. Several years ago, ESPN released a documentary called Broke. And in this documentary, they were, they were kind of highlighting what Sports Illustrated had noted about some of the athletes who had retired from both the NBA and the NFL. In particular, they're highlighting that 60% of former NBA players are broke within five years of their retirement. 60%. They were highlighting the 78% of NFL players who two years after retirement have gone bankrupt or are currently under financial stress. These men who have come into great wealth in quick ways, spend it in quick ways, unwisely, and they find out that wealth is finite. It is fleeting. There's something that needs to be different. Indeed, what the documentary ends up proposing is to seek wisdom, not wealth. To find wise people who can help you navigate your money. And it's the same thing that Solomon is doing for us. Seek wisdom, not wealth, because wealth is finite. It can go in the blink of an eye. Seek wisdom, not wealth, because wealth is fleeting. But there's a second reason to pursue wisdom, not wealth, and that's because wealth is dangerous. Now, I want to be very specific here. Wealth has two sides to it. It can be an incredible blessing, and at the same time, it can be incredibly dangerous. 
It's a blessing because wealth offers us a number of benefits. The benefit of living under a roof. The benefit of putting clothing on our back. The benefit of being able to bless others. The benefit of being able to enjoy life. There are numbers of benefits to wealth. To, to say that wealth is bad is actually not biblical. So when, when, when churches speak on wealth in such a negative way, it's not doing justice to what wealth really is. We'll speak on to that more, but I want you to see there is another side of wealth. And it's this dangerous side of wealth. If you want to think of wealth, think of it like a fire. Fires are an incredible blessing to us. It heats our food. It lights our rooms. It enables us to live and live comfortably. But if a fire is unleashed in a dry forest, we know that that fire can cause incredible destruction. And of course, Proverbs tells us that wealth can be dangerous, like a forest fire. And he gives us five reasons why wealth is dangerous. I want to show you some of these things. We're just going to go through these quick things. Wealth, if we put wealth over wisdom, wealth provides a false sense of security first. That's the first thing that he wants us. It's a false sense of security. Proverbs 18.11 says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his what? It's imagination. It's a false sense of security remember wealth is fleeting i mean all of us are one serious stock market crash from being really in deep need you realize that right your jobs dry up everything can just fall in just a moment it can fleet wealth can provide a false sense of security it's dangerous we must not put it first in our lives secondly not only is it a false sense of security proverbs tells us it robs you of life proverbs 119 such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain it takes away the life of its possessors and just just let that sit with you for just a second if you put wealth over all else it takes away the life of its possessors proverbs eleven twenty eight says this in a different way whoever trusts in his riches will fall. Those who pursue wealth over wisdom will always be greedy for more. What they have will never be enough. That is ultimately the essence of greed. And that's the insane aspect of it. You never have enough. You keep throwing your life and your motivations at something that will ultimately never satisfy, like throwing money at a bottomless pit. It will never fill up. The result is that you will be robbed of life. Consider how much joy and peace actually get forfeited when all you are consumed with is getting more wealth, more, more, more. You miss out on time with your children, miss out on time with your friends, miss out on time with your neighbors, miss out on time with so many realities. Because if we choose wisdom or choose wealth over wisdom, it strips us of the very things that can give us life. So pursue wisdom, not wealth, because... Wealth robs you of life if you put it first. Thirdly, wealth brings conflicts. If you put wealth over wisdom, it is going to bring conflict. Look at what Proverbs 28, 25 says. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Money can take tight families, families that they say they love each other, and they will rip them apart. 
I've seen it time and time again that when, 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 a, when a father or mother who has great wealth dies and then the inheritance gets given to the kids, great fighting takes place. Why? Because when wealth is chosen over wisdom, strife is right there. That's mine. Give it to me. And it separates families that they said they loved each other. Choosing wealth over wisdom brings conflict. Lastly, choosing wealth over wisdom is ultimately pointless in the day of judgment. Proverbs 11.4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Reality of all of us is that we will die. And it's good to consider our death because I think it rightly puts into perspective what it is we value. So many of us give too much uh, life to pursuit of wealth. But when we die, we ain't taking it with us. You realize that. And when we die, we'll meet our maker. And the Lord is not going to look at us and say, hey, how much wealth did you have? How much did you do? Why? Because wealth is pointless to the one who owns all of it. It's pointless in judgment. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. So what is it that you are putting in front of God? Ultimately, if it's not God himself, it is pointless in the day of judgment. So my friends, we must listen to Solomon. Listen to him. Pursue wisdom, not wealth. It's not an abandonment of wealth. It's a call to take up wisdom rather than the pursuit of wealth. It's a call to start thinking about our job differently. It's a call to grow in our understanding how the Bible speaks of wealth. Because if we don't think about these things, and if we don't grow in our understanding, we are exposing ourselves to great dangers of wealth. And it will kill us. But there's one final reason that Solomon calls us to pursue wisdom, not wealth. And that is that wealth is consequent. Now, what's consequent mean? Wealth is a result of wisdom. Look at what Proverbs 22.4 says. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord, which is wisdom, is riches and honor and life. When one pursues wisdom, then riches and honor and life come. Wealth is always a consequence of wisdom. What is wisdom? Solomon understood wisdom to be an understanding mind that is able to discern between good and evil. Pastor Ray Ortland says that wisdom is skill for living well in the sight of God and man. Thus, wisdom is necessary for our everyday life. When we wake up, when we interact with others, and when we go to sleep. Wisdom informs every waking moment and even every sleeping moment. Wisdom informs everything. And if we live well, there is a fruit for living well. And you know who knew this better than probably anyone else? Solomon himself. Not long after Solomon became king, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know this from 1 Kings 3, don't you? And he appeared to Solomon like a genie. And he says, this is what the Lord said to him in a dream. Ask what I shall give you. And what did Solomon say to him in response? He says, give me understanding, give me an understanding mind that I might discern good and evil so that I will be able to govern the people of God. 
Because who could govern these great people? And of course, God granted him that. It said that the Lord was pleased, and this is what God said. Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you, none like you has been before, before you, and none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Wealth is a consequence of wisdom. And Solomon learned that. It's not an abandonment of wealth. We get into all sorts of problems when we start saying, oh, it's, it's wrong to be wealthy. It's wrong to have riches. We get into some big trouble because the Bible talks about that a lot. It's equally wrong to put wealth over wisdom. Wealth is a consequence of wisdom, of living wisely. Here's what I mean. Hey, you do a good job at work. Guess what might likely come towards you? A promotion. And what comes with the promotion? An increase in wealth. This is what wise people do, walking in the fear of the Lord. Work hard. And there's rewards for that. We pursue wisdom over wealth because wealth is a consequence of wisdom. This is a compelling case that Solomon lays out to us for why we should choose wisdom over wealth, seeking it with all of our being. But the question becomes, how then do we get wisdom? If wisdom is what Solomon wants us to take hold of rather than wealth, how? Well, of course, the how comes from Proverbs 9.10. And if you know anything of the book of Proverbs, this is a consistent theme over and over and over again. In many ways, I preached almost this identical thing last week because Solomon continually goes back to it. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You want to get wise, fear the Lord. The wisdom begins. Seeking wisdom rather than wealth begins with fearing the Lord, with knowing God. This is how we get wisdom. But what does this mean? You recall what I said last week, that Dr. Bruce Walke says this in his commentary on the book of Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord contains two realities, a logical reality and a psychological reality. The fear of the Lord contains these two realities. Logically speaking, the fear of the Lord is recognizing that you are not God. But this is not easy, though, when it comes to wealth. Wealth can make us feel like God's. People come to you when, you when you put money down. They do what you say. Opportunities that you've dreamed of become a reality with great wealth. In some ways, wealth provides you the ability to be omniscient, omnipotent, even omnipresent. You could be here in Little Rock and tomorrow be in London. It's crazy. But it requires great wealth. But these are ultimately... When we think about the, the wealth and, and, and how we can easily think that we're gods, 
the reality is that the situations that cause our great wealth are oftentimes out of our control. These situations um, (laughs) are simply in the hands of a sovereign God. You do not have wealth because you are some gift to the world. You have your wealth because God has sovereignly decreed it to be that way. You might say, oh, but I have earned wealth. I worked hard. I did it my way, and I succeeded. My response to you is, really? How did you get your intellect? How are you so gifted? Is it not both a a combination of the DNA that your parents had? And and if we're just going off of that, how did your parents meet? How How did their parents meet? There are billions, if not millions and trillions of ways of thinking about how God has ordained all of it come to pass, that you have an intellect because God is sovereign and he has elected that to be the case. To think that you have somehow become a God and I am wealthy because of me, it's just illogical. The fear of the Lord begins with logically recognizing I have what I have because of God. It begins with that. But then it's psychologically second. It's not only just a logical recognition that I am not God. It's psychologically living out of that reality. And the book of Proverbs will will work this out. But this psychological reality gets worked out in, in three different ways. First, because we are not God, we live in awe of God. We take every step in light of God being at the center of all things. This means there's reverence. We're reverent to God, who he has ordained who he is and what he has ordained in this day to pass. We don't make the claim we are gods. We simply live out the reality that there is a great God who has sovereignly decreed all things to pass. That includes all things that have happened to us. I am not God, but Yahweh is. So we live in awe. Psychologically, we just, whoa, woe is me. But we live thankfully, secondly, We give thanks that God has provided because the reality is he didn't have to. To recognize that you have what you have because of the sovereign God is is to be uh, responded to with a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving because this is true. Our worship of God is simply a small response to what he has done. To psychologically live in the fear of the Lord is to to live in awe and to live thankfully to him. But lastly, it's to live humbly before him. We know, the scriptures say, that he has given us all things. As Christians, walking in the fear of the Lord means that we are to acknowledge that he has given us far more than we could ever imagine or hope. That he has extended his grace towards us beyond our wildest imagination. You know that the Bible describes sin as being a great debt. We have a great debt before a holy God, and it's a debt that we could not pay. For all have sinned, it says, and fallen short of the glory of God. But God, being rich in his mercy, rich in his mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, he sent forth his son, Jesus, to be born of a woman, born under the law, to bear the marks of humanity, so that he could pay the debt that we couldn't and bear the punishment that we did deserve, that he in his grace and his mercy might give to us what wealth could never buy, eternal life with God, intimacy with God, the presence of God through his spirit. For God so loved he gave, 
And he gave to us, my friends, richly, mercifully, and incredibly graciously. When we understand what our God has given to us, our only response is to say, I don't deserve this. You have given me, and I'm going to trust you. Walking with you, you have given me yourself. I'm going to trust you. That no matter what comes to me, whether it be riches or poverty, you are trustworthy. That's what it means to psychologically fear the Lord. Wealth doesn't become this big thing because wealth ultimately can't buy you relationship with God. Only God can buy you relationship with God. And so we walk trusting him, humbly trusting him all the days of our life, regardless of the circumstances that that we are faced. I hope more than anything that you are compelled this morning to pursue wisdom over wealth. The scriptures are clear that when we pursue wisdom over wealth, we will find life and find it abundantly. You might say, ah, oh, I, I, I just want a new car. You'll figure it out if you trust him. You walk in the fear of the Lord. You'll be all right, and you'll live. Remember, if you pursue wealth over wisdom, you're pursuing something that is fleeting, something that is dangerous, and something that is simply a consequence of wisdom. My friends, pursue wisdom over wealth. Let me pray. This is a difficult reality for all of us. We are so prone to the siren call of wealth, Lord. We think that wealth will indeed bring us salvation. It will bring us hope that will last forever. But as Solomon has reminded us, and as many of us could even think about in our lives, the reality is that wealth leaves a lot to be desired. And we have foolishly chased after it. So Lord, forgive us for living such foolish lives. Help us to walk wisely, wisely according to your word. Help us to live in the reality that you indeed have given us more than we ever deserved. Help us to live in fear of you, humbly trusting you, walking in awe and giving thanks to you for all that you've given to us. Help us do that, Lord, that we may live. Amen.